0: Oh,
1: A pleasant good morning to you wherever you may be However you may be listening This is indeed the Shook Wright Show Coming in hot this morning 91.5 FM WMFO In Medford Tusk Free Farm Radio Streaming nationwide On the TuneIn Radio Up and globally on WMFO.org Wherever you may be However you may be listening Thank you for making the show part of your Friday morning And it is snowing Beautiful white flurries Falling down in the Boston area What more can you ask for? On a Friday morning, as we are inching closer and closer towards the end of January. And it seems like with every passing day, there's more and more to talk about in Boston sports. So we're going to get right to it. Phone lines are open. The number to call in is 855-915-WMFO. 855-915-9636 is the number two call into the program. We're going to start with the Celtics because last night, we all saw what was quite a doozy of a game between the Celtics and the Warriors, for days, heck, even for weeks. This was a game that a lot of people had circled on their calendars, myself included, that this was a game that's going to be must-see TV, finals rematch, was it going to live up to the billing or not? And it sure did. As far as the theatrics are concerned, the game not only didn't disappoint, there are so many headlines and subplots from the game that we would typically go through, and I'll try to go through as many as possible during this abbreviated hour that I'm on the show here until 10 a.m. But then also, there was one thing that I walked away from from last night's game that I really want to expound on this morning, and that is there is reason to be concerned for the Celtics after last night's win. You would think that, well, Shukri, what's there to be concerned about? They won last night. They still have the best record in the NBA, right? That is true. They do have the best record in the NBA. But if you watch the game last night, especially towards the end of the fourth quarter and all of overtime, I ended up walking away feeling as if, man, the Celtics still got some serious mental hurdles that they have to overcome. A win is a win, sure. But if we're going to talk about a team that is working and striving towards winning a championship this season, this June, you got to talk about the issues and the elephants that are in the room. You can't talk about wanting to attain a certain goal in life if you're not willing to address the issues or the mental handicaps that exist that are playing obstacles in your journey to obtain that set goal. The goal is a championship, right? Battle number 18. Beautiful. Winning for Chris Ford, who just passed away um, a a couple of days ago. Winning for Bill Russell, just beautiful. But, how can you honestly expect to win a championship if you're still committing the same mistakes that cost you the NBA Finals last June against the very same team you just played last night? This is why, as I was preparing for the show this morning, I am so concerned. Remember how last June, the turnovers were a problem for the Boston Celtics. Last night, Jason Tatum had 3 turnovers in a span of about 10 minutes. And for each turnover, I'm sitting in the living room groaning like, "My guy, what the hell?" What the hell is it with the turnovers? Like, this was the same issue, and it's not just only a Tatum problem. No, but this was the same issue that cost the Boston Celtics last season. That was problematic when they were going through their slump for two and a half weeks at one point turnovers. And last night, you can say that the turnovers damn near cost them the game. But you can thank the heroics of Jalen Brown who came up huge, especially in overtime, and as well as the the heroics of Al Horford. You can thank them both for that. But I do give credit to the fact that Tatum played 39 minutes and paid basically every single minute of the entirety of the second half. I will give them that. But the turnovers, this is something that plays a big role in the NBA between wins and losses. See, the talent was more than good enough for you to win. But when you're a team like the Golden State Warriors, that you could say they have the best record in the NBA at home, but the worst record on the road in the NBA this season, you can get away with things like that against teams that can't get out of their own way on the road, sure. But let this be against one of the better teams, one of the more elite teams in the NBA. Oftentimes or not, you don't win those games, especially when you're not careful handling the basketball, when you're not careful with avoiding the same mistakes that you committed while you were on the sports biggest stage last June. You see, when you're in a play, you are, depending on your role, you are the star. You are the lead cast. You are the the lead person in that play. You are the main character. What makes the play good? What makes the play good is the lead character being able to show that he is or she is the guy that everyone should be watching. When you are committing the same mistakes over and over again, especially against the same team that you failed to beat last year in the NBA Finals, this is a this is very much a problem. And I kind of talked about this very briefly in a tweet. And I'm pretty sure it wasn't received well. But the truth is the truth, no matter where it comes from. When you've played the Golden State Warriors twice this season now, then they're now 1-1. One and one. You've played the Golden State Warriors twice. And I remember the first game at Golden State, that Saturday night showcase that was on ABC, was, in my opinion, arguably the worst loss of the season for the Celtics so far. And what were the issues in that game? Turnovers. Bad handling. Shot selection. The shots weren't falling through. Last night, the thing that saved you was the fact that the shots were falling for you in your favor. I love what I saw from Marcus Smart defensively. I love what I saw from Robert Williams. I appreciate the fact that Jason Tatum had 34 points, which is lovely, great, nice. But in the NBA, turnovers kill you. Turnovers are the thing that absolutely determines wins and losses in the league. Sure, it was one game in January. But when it's a reoccurring issue against a single opponent, that leads me to wonder, is this a mental thing? Because it seems like against any other team this season, The Celtics have no problem dominating. They have no problem playing a complete game where turnovers are an issue. Shot selection isn't an issue. But when it's the Warriors, for some reason, Tatum last night, and even Brown early in in the first meeting in Golden State, that was the issue, turnovers. And then the inability to stay consistent, in terms of the shooting, is what cost him. But last night, like I said, you caught the Golden State Warriors on the road. And you got away with one. They won 121-118. But it feels like they got some serious question marks that they're going to have to address and figure it out and figure it out in very short order. Because Who's to say what will happen come the NBA playoffs? But you cannot continue to commit the same mistakes over and over again, whether if it's against the Warriors or someone else and think that you're going to win a championship. See, talent covers and makes up a lot in life. You could be supremely talented, And get away with being a complete prick. It happens. You and I have seen it. You could be talented and show up half the time late. But they'll excuse it because you are so damn good at what you do. But when you are mediocre to average and you're late, you're sloppy, you're inconsistent, they're not going to put up with that. And that's what the Golden, the Golden State Warriors are this season. Inconsistent, sloppy, mediocre. So, of course, their result is a loss. But the Boston Celtics, on the other hand, they're talented. They work hard. They do the little things right more times than not. So when you're talented, you can get away with a lot more. And that is what the Boston Celtics are. Phone lines are open at 855-915-WMFO. 855-915-9636 is the number to call in to the show this morning as I'm here with you until 10 o'clock this morning. Coming up next, the Boston Bruins, they continue to roll on, but at a cost. And with that cost, Bex, the one question that I haven't asked on this show that I'm going to go into in full length with you, the listener. On the other side of this break, you're listening to The Shooker Right Show, 91.5 FM WMFO. In Medford, Tusk Free Farm Radio, streaming nationwide on the TuneIn Radio app, globally on WMFO.org.
0: He was in some minor accident, a fender bender. And I had this impulse to call him. But I didn't, because I thought I could call him later that week. He abandoned the car, he came home, and he shot himself without ever talking to anyone. When I came home that night, and I found her, they told me that she had shot herself. And I couldn't believe it. I asked if he was okay. Taking a gun into your house uh, for protection is uh, a terrible myth. Once you pull that trigger, that's it. There is no coming back.
1: 65 Americans a day die by gun suicide. Store your gun securely, locked, unloaded, and away from ammunition. Help stop suicide. Learn more at infamilyfire.org. Brought to you by Brady and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Sugar Ray Show, 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford. Touch Freeform Radio, streaming nationwide on the tune-in radio app and globally on WMFO.org. Glad you're able to tune in on this Friday morning where, I don't know if you expected snow to, uh, to fall in the area this morning, but it certainly looked like snow decided to make an appearance. Thank you. Thank you. January snow, that's exactly what we expected. Of course, with a little sarcasm in there. <laughs> Number to call in is 855-915-WMFO 855-915-9636 is the number to call in as I'm here with you only for an hour until ten A.M. this morning. And within this hour, we're gonna have um we're gonna have a lot to discuss, especially as it pertains to the Boston Bruins, as they win last night in New York again. Three to one over the New York Rangers, and they sweep the New York trip down to Big Apple to beat the Islanders. On Wednesday night, they beat the Rangers last night. But with every win, it seems to me there's always a cost for these wins. But especially for the Boston Bruins, the cost of victory last night definitely definitely was very much apparent. Brandon Carlo left the game with an injury in which that he took a shot off, I believe it was a non-padded area of his skate. I mean, he was in pretty much a lot of pain last night as he was taken down to the Bruins locker room at MSG. That now means that Brandon Carlo and Jake DeBrusque are out. There's a chance that Brandon Carlo may not even play on Sunday, but we'll see. But, Given Brandon Carlos' injury history, it wouldn't surprise me if he missed multiple games. With all that being said, it brings back a point that I made in a video that I made a week ago today about brewing needs at the trade deadline. The trade deadline is on March 3rd. So you got a few weeks to go. But now with the injury bug beginning to take its its ugly rear head, the question now must be asked, what do the Bruins do now? Because who knows how long Jake DeBrusque will in fact be out. He he may be out for another two to three weeks. Who knows? But as far as defensemen are concerned, I think it's imperative that the Boston Bruins – consider at least getting another body on the blue line. Your thoughts on the Bruins last night as they win in New York against the Rangers, 855-915-WMFO, 855-915-9636 is the number to call in. The thing that I look at in terms of the health of the Boston Bruins is something that I don't think a lot of people have talked about, especially in these parts, lately. Because the Bruins have done so much winning, and they have deserved so much praise for, I mean, being 36-5-4 and four is historic. Just the other night, they reached 35 wins in the second fewest games in NHL history. With all of that happening, I think there is one area that I am genuinely very concerned about. And I talked about the war of attrition. I've talked about, like, how this team has accomplished so much on the ice that injuries are bound to happen. How do you address those injuries? What happens when the guy goes down? What are the needs for this team? Because as perfect as they have looked on the ice so far, and they've had nights, well, let's face it, they didn't dominate for the fall 60 minutes, they may have sort of sluggish in the first period, dominating periods two, and especially do, dominating period number three, they still have needs. So what are their needs? I pointed out that the Bruins should at least strongly consider making a trade for Boar of the Vancouver Canucks. He's a centerman. He's 27 years old. He's in his prime of his career. This is a guy that can score. But I can understand the concern in terms of the asking price for the Vancouver Canucks. I get that. However, with the injury of Brandon Carlo last night, this only reinforces the fact that when we get to March and the Bruins are playing every other night, literally, you're going to need bodies. You're going to need a healthy defenseman. An extra defenseman, a seventh defenseman would not kill you. It would only help. I strongly recommend that the Boston Bruins look into a player like Luke Shin of the Vancouver Canucks. Why do I say that? This is someone who is very physical and, He's got, got a nasty streak in his game. He, he's, he is the perfect shot-blocking defenseman that you are going to need, especially in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You have that already in Derek Forboard. But again, when March comes around and you're playing every other night, would it kill you to have an extra defenseman like Luke Shen who can who can not only block shots but can also – play physical, especially come the Stanley Cup playoffs where physicality in recent years for the Boston Bruins has been an issue. Why not? Why not make the move? And of course, yes, I am fully aware of the salary cap and that Don Sweeney up to, up to this point has played salary cap Houdini. It is absolutely amazing how some of the best businessmen out there know how to finagle and manipulate money even when things are tight. Don Sweeney and his business acumen, you got to give it up to him, has been nothing short of absolutely amazing. Like seriously, I want to give you actual examples of that. Like there are six moves that the Boston Bruins have made Specifically, via the salary cap, that have turned out to be pretty damn genius. First one, you signing both Bergeron and Krejci to a combined salary of three and a half million. I mean, in what world do you have two of the best centermen in the league playing for that amount of money combined? When does that happen? Never. Will it happen again? Who knows. That's number one. Number two. And then and then this one, I don't think gets talked about enough. And I talk about salary cap and the importance of that because we all know that the Bruins are up against it. So in terms of the Bruins making salary cap moves or making any sort of deals, it's going to involve them manipulating the salary cap. The second move that I thought was genius in terms of What the Bruins, Don Sweeney has done that has worked in terms of financial aspect, put a Nick Felino and Mike Riley on waivers before the start of the regular season. Brilliant. Because let's rewind the calendar a little bit. Let's go back to October. About three months ago, the Bruins placed both Felino and Mike Riley on waivers. And by doing that it allowed the bruins to place both felino and riley in the ahl figuring that well if they, if they put them on right waivers some some team would claim them off waivers and sign them to their team which didn't happen of course so with that happening it created flexibility in terms of what the bruins needed to do this is the kind of move that the Boston Bruins are going to have to make if they're going to make any sort of move to address their needs come the trade deadline in a few weeks. But if the Bruins are not going to get Bo Harvett, fine. I strongly would advise them, go get a guy like Luke Shen. Shot blocking, physical defenseman, who who is a terrific penalty kill as well. I think that this is a a move that can benefit the Bruins, not just now. But when you start playing high-volume games come March, when you're playing every other night, injuries are going to happen. I'm not wishing for them to happen, but it will happen. Having a healthy body on the blue line will help. That's why I am strongly advocating for the for the Boston Bruins to go out and get a guy like Luke Shen, 855-915-WMFO, 855-915-9636 is the number to call into the show. Coming up next, WMFO Sports Update, brought to you by yours truly, Shukri Wright here on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford. That was the wrong button, clearly, but nonetheless, here we go. The Boston Celtics beat the Golden State Warriors last night at TD Garden, 121-118 to in overtime. Jason Tatum scored 34 points. He had a career-high 19 rebounds, 6 assists, and 3 steals. Al Horford scored 20 points, 10 rebounds, and 3 blocks. Steph Curry scored 29 points in the loss for the Warriors. Celtics will travel to Toronto tomorrow night to face the Toronto Raptors. Tip-off at at 5 p.m. from Scotiabank Arena. Boston Bruins beat the New York Rangers last night at MS3 3-1. Patrice Bergeron, Pavel Zaka, Connor Clifton scored for the Boston Bruins, in which they have now scored redo. That did not go well. The Boston Celtics have beaten the Golden State Warriors last night at TD Garden, 121-118 in overtime. Jason Tatum scored 34 points, had a career-high 19 rebounds, 6 assists, and 3 steals. Al Horford scored 20 points, 10 rebounds, and 3 blocks. Steph Curry scored 29 points in the loss for the Warriors. Celtics will travel to the Toronto Toronto tomorrow night to face the Toronto Raptors. Tip-off at 5 p.m. The Boston Bruins beat defeat the New York Rangers last night 3-1 at MSG. Patrice Bergeron, Pavel Zaka, Connor Clifton scored for the Bruins, in which they have now won six consecutive road games. Bruins are now 8-1-0 during the month of January, the Bruins return home Sunday evening to take on the San Jose Sharks. Park drop is at 7 p.m. Sunday evening at TD Garden. WMFO Sports Update is brought to you by 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford. This is Shook Wright. You are listening to 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford. Tusk Freeform Radio. Top quiz. Which is more dangerous, alcohol or marijuana?
0: Study after study, the science shows that alcohol causes much more harm to the user and to society than marijuana. So why do colleges punish students more harshly for getting caught with cannabis? Join Students for Sensible Drug Policy and give your college administrators a simple pharmacology 101 lesson. Visit www.schoolsnotprisons.com to find out if there's a chapter at your school or how to start one.
1: Welcome back to the Sugar Right Show, ninety-one point five FM WMFO and Medford, South Farm Radio, streaming nationwide on the TuneIn Radio app, and globally on WMFO. Thank you for making this show part of your Friday morning. And if you happen to be listening to the program via podcast or on demand or whatnot, I appreciate all of my listeners, the people that download or listen to um, the Sugar Right Show on demand on on iHeartRadio or else or anywhere where you get your podcast on the Sugar Rights podcast. I appreciate you as always. Now, just real quick, I just remembered that I, have, I do have an announcement I need to make, and that is beginning Monday, January 23rd, I will be debuting a brand-new show on Believe Network called Believe in Hub of Champions. It's going to be all about Boston sports, passionate discussion, opinions, coming from your Shukri Wright. You can find the show on both YouTube – and as well as iHeartRadio beginning Monday, January twenty third with the debut episode of the brand new of the brand new um podcast for Believe Network. So I'm very excited about that. And as always, you can follow me on social media at Shukri Right at S H U K R I W R H G H T S. I mean, my follow group is uh growing. This has grown quite massive as I'm approaching um, a little a closer to 10,600-plus followers, approaching that number, but it's it's grown quite a bit. So I'm a, I appreciate my followers. I appreciate my fans. I appreciate those who support me, whether it be publicly or even um, in secret. I appreciate you as well. So during this segment, I figure I squeeze in some Patriots thoughts as well because throughout this entire week, the discussions have been about the Patriots, what do they do at offensive coordinator, because they can't go into next year, obviously, with Matt Patricia, and, and, and they made the right move in letting Matt Patricia go from his duties as the offensive play caller for the Patriots. And there has been one name that has come up in reports over and over again, and that is Bill O'Brien, the current offensive coordinator at Alabama. If we're gonna be completely honest with ourselves, we know that Bill O'Brien is clearly the best guy for the job. He was Mac Jones's offensive coordinator when Mac Jones was at Alabama. Bill O'Brien has worked in New England before. He's worked with Bill Belichick before. He's worked with the Crafts. He's very familiar with the organization. And the organization is very familiar with him. So the only question that I do have is, what's the holdup? Because I do think that the holdup here is, according to Bill O'Brien, making sure that he's walking into a stable situation. And you know what that comes from? When you've created an unstable environment... You have people that'll look at you and say, Why should I join that? And if I'm going to join that, I'm not going to just jump into it. See, interesting how human beings operate, especially from a business standpoint. I find it that people, when they're comfortable, when there's stability, they are willing, and able to thrive. But when there's chaos, turmoil, strife in any business or organization, that is more likely to create doubt, resentment in some cases, and dare I even say the lack of willingness and reluctancy to even join. See, Bill O'Brien is not entirely wrong in making sure that he's walking into a stable situation. I mean, let's face it. He saw what happened, what was going on with the Patriots from afar down in Tuscaloosa, Alabama this past season. He's not naive as to what's been happening with the Patriots organization. He's not naive with the fact that last year we saw that Mac Jones Regress mightily under Bill Belichick's tutelage, or lack of plan for an offensive coordinator in a critical year, in which that you needed Mac Jones to make a step forward in his growth and his progression. He saw all of those things. So the fact that Bill O'Brien is taking his time and making sure that he is walking into a stable situation. I give him credit, but I think it's also a damnation of the Patriots organization for the state that they're currently in. I think it is. And the reason is this. If you have created an environment where everybody is placed in in a position to succeed, more, more likely than not, you're willing to take a chance and to say, you know what, that place is offering me a job. They have a very stable environment. Everything is kosher. Everything is, you know, dotted in terms of the I's and cross every T's. Bam, I'll take it. But the fact that Bill O'Brien has delayed in jumping right into this opportunity, where let's face it, the Patriots pretty much know that they're going to offer him the job. They're basically interviewing everyone else to basically say that, hey, we interviewed X, Y, and Z um, candidate and whatnot, and that we're just doing our, quote-unquote, due diligence. But they know damn well that they're going to offer the job to to Bill O'Brien. And Bill O'Brien is taking his time because that is his way, and that's no fault of Bill O'Brien. That's his way of saying, you know, a lot went on in New England last season. If I'm going to take this job, because let's face it, You need him more than he needs you. He is in a pretty damn good position already. Offensive coordinator for arguably the most dominant college football team in the last 10 to 12 years in Alabama, why should he jump back into the NFL? Why should he rush to jump back into the NFL? We're not going to just jump Right back into it just because everything looks sexy, you know, the chair is more comfier, you know, everything is a bit of an upgrade or seems so at the NFL level. No. We're not gonna just turn around and and just make moves just for the sake of just making the move back into the NFL, just say, Hey, I'm back in the NFL, everybody. No. We're gonna make sure that everything is as stable as sound. And not as chaotic as possible. That's where we're at. And the Patriots have no one to blame but themselves. They need Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien doesn't need them. That's the other part of it as well. And I hope that Bill Belichick realizes that. You need Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien doesn't need you. So there's a bit of a of a power shift in that regard bill belichick knows he effed up last summer robert Kraft, by releasing that statement knows that bill belichick effed up last summer bill belichick knows he has to make changes especially he needs an offensive coordinator Who's the guy for the job? Bill O'Brien. But even then, here's the bigger question I'll pose to you. Is that going to be enough to resuscitate the career of Mac Jones? Because let's face it, there's so many question marks as to whether if he's the guy or not. I myself have said, I don't think he's the guy. But if the Patriots are going to give him one last shot, give him one more year to grow, to perform, to succeed, they have got to create an environment where he's going to be able to flourish. Because after witnessing that that oil dump last season, doesn't matter who they bring in, the results are going to be the same. Bill O'Brien knows Mac Jones. Bill O'Brien Knows what Mac Jones' strengths are. You see, in the NFL, offensive coordinators have a lot more power and a lot more grab, if you will, than a lot of people realize. Because, as talented as a quarterback is, let's be honest, they're not nearly as good if they don't have the right guy calling the plays. Patrick Mahomes, for an example, is an extreme case. But a large part of his success of Mahomes and that offense in Kansas City over the last five years has a lot to do with Eric Enemy. It does. Tom Brady, when he was here, a lot of his success had to do with Josh McDaniels, and, of course, Bill. I'm not going to slight Bill at all on this one. But you get my point. Good offensive coordinators know that he comes, they go. The offense goes. They leave, they oftentimes take a step back. We've seen that time and time again across the NFL. They need to figure this thing out and and really convince Bill O'Brien that he's walking into a pretty stable situation because the Patriots have no one to blame but themselves for creating such an unstable environment and a chaotic one at that. That Bill O'Brien is hesitant to come back. The number to call in is 855-915-WMFO. 855-915-9636 is the number to call in to the show. Coming up next, final thoughts as I will preview... And give you my thoughts on on the NFL divisional weekend up ahead on the other side of this break. You're listening to the Shukarite Show ninety one point five FMW MFO in Medford Tuss, freeform radio.
0: Of Babylon, and we're going away to, to our father's, father's land. land. Yeah. how good and how pleasant. Children of the We are the children of the I am man. Africa unite Cause the children wanna come out, yeah yeah, Africa unite Cause we're moving right out of Proving to how I fall
1: Welcome back to the Sugar Ray Show, 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford. Touch free from radio. Streaming nationwide on the TuneIn radio app and globally on WMFO.org. The number to call in is 855-915-WMFO. 855-915-9636 is the number to call into the show. As we got about a few minutes left as we are going to do final thoughts here on the Sugar Ray Show, 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford as, let's face it, Division Weekend is here. Whoa! I'm fired up. I don't know about you, but I know me. I'm fired up. The weekends across the NFL is going to be sexy. It is going to make you want to do crazy things. Because I don't think there is a single bad matchup in the NFL this weekend as we are now upon division weekend playoff-wise in the NFL. And I do think that all four games are going to be incredibly compelling. So much so that as I was preparing for the show today, I figured that today would be a pretty good day to give my thoughts on all four divisional matchups in the NFL playoffs. Tomorrow, you got two games. Sunday, you got two games. I mean, what better time of the year than now if you are an NFL fan, which I would find awfully hard to believe that You aren't at this point. But I digress. So, divisional matchup. Oh, yes. Like, I mean, my goodness. (laughs) I cannot wait, man. Listen, let's go. Like, the way I look at it is this. If you are an NFL fan, if you are a, a fan of just If you're just a fan of just great matches all, around, all the way around, period, this is the time that you're going to want to tune in. So we're going to start with Jacksonville, Kansas City, Saturday, 4.30 p.m. kickoff. That game is on NBC. Let's face it, Kansas City... They're going to be home, and that place is going to be completely loud. They're going up against the Jaguars, let's face it. They had their miracle win over the Chargers last weekend in what is the third largest comeback in NFL playoff history. But they're going up against a a behemoth of a monster in Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City. and we, In a year that many people thought that the Chiefs would take a step back. The offense wouldn't be as explosive, losing Tyreek Hill in free agency to the Miami Dolphins. But Mahomes has been even better, spreading the football around. And let's face it, he's going to be the guy that wins the MVP this season. Trevor Lawrence, I like the guy. He showed a lot of balls last Saturday night. And that comeback win over the Chargers. But this is where the tire meets the road. I'm picking the, the Chiefs to win this game. 31-27 over Jacksonville. Next, Giants-Eagles. I can't begin to tell you how genuinely freaking fired up I am for this game. The Giants coming off an impressive win on the road last weekend against the Minnesota Vikings. Going up against the Eagles that have been a prohibited favorite this year based on the regular season that they had and even before the Jalen Hurts injury, this was a team that was expected to go on a deep playoff run. Let's face it. The Eagles, their biggest question mark is the health of Jalen Hurts because even though Jalen Hurts came back in week 18, he didn't look good. He had a lot of rust. And obviously having two weeks off, Should, in fact, help matters in regards to his collarbone and his shoulder. The Giants, on the other hand, they need Daniel Jones to be great again. Can he be great against an even better Eagle pass rush that has been arguably the best in the NFL this season? So my prediction for the game is going to be as follows. I got Eagles winning this game 24, Giants 17. On to Cincinnati Buffalo. I really am feeling... Joe Burrow I really am but I do have one question though the offensive line against that Buffalo front seven that can get after the quarterback but let's face it this is gonna be the battle of quarterbacks here Joe Burrow versus Josh Allen who would you want to start your NFL franchise with for me I want the guy that's got a bit of cockiness supreme confidence That guy is Joe Burrow. But as far as prediction is concerned, I really am feeling the Bengals in this one. I'm going to go 25 to 22. It's going to be a field goal. Buy a field goal. It's going to be a tie game. Bengals beat the Bills this weekend on Sunday to advance to the AFC title game. Sunday night, Cowboys, Niners. woo Those that know me know how much I genuinely freaking hate Dallas. But I'm going to put my hatred aside for a moment. Can Dak Prescott continue to shut up the doubters and the naysayers? Against Brock Purdy, who has really taken the NFL by storm, the Niners have been the hottest team in the NFL over the course of the last two months. It's going to be an absolute war in San Francisco. Or should I say Santa Clara? Cowboys-Niners. I'm going to go Niners here because of their pass rush. And not to overlook the Cowboys' pass rush, which is terrific in their own right. But Brock Purdy, the unknown guy, he's going to win it. Cowboys are going to lose to the Niners 34-28. And those are my thoughts and my predictions on NFL weekend, which I am fired up for. I mean, let's face it. We know that <laughs> we know for a fact that this weekend is going to be full of juicy headlines. So that is that is basically my predictions for the upcoming weekend. I'm going to wrap it up on um, wrap up the show now. But first, time for the WMFO studio update. Brought to you by yours truly, Sugar Rates ninety one point five, WMFO in Medford. Take it away. Boston Celtics beat the Golden State Warriors last night at TV Garden, one twenty one to one eighteen in overtime. Jason Tatum scored thirty four points and had a career high nineteen rebounds, six assists, and three steals.